Hi, everyone. I'm Tish Conlon for another episode of Tish Talk. Today, I have one of our favorite guests back on and historical, I was going to say genius, but unbelievable knowledge of history. And I've learned so much from him, Matthew Arrett. He's a journalist, lecturer, and founder of Canadian Patriot. And I do encourage you to check it out. He's also author of The Untold History of Canada, The Forgotten Struggle for Progress. I've read it. I need to reread it. I think everyone going into a political leadership role should read that book. He's also written an incredibly interesting book called The Clash of Two Americas. So we're going to dive into some really hot topics today, talking about what's going on with a situation update. Uh, welcome, Matthew. How are you today? Hey, Tish. I'm doing great. Love to be with you. And it's been a long time. So I think we have a lot to talk about and to pack into one hour. So let's, <laughs> let's get her. Let's get Yeah, let's, let's just get, get to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, no, no fancy music for me, just right to the meat of the matter. <laughs> um, so let's talk about what's going on in the world. We're going to hit, um, thank you, Matthew, for agreeing to hit some of these pillars of the, the cultural revolution going on, the climate insanity and the financial destruction, um, as well, maybe, as the warmongering machine. I mean, so much hitting us at once. Can we start with the financial uh, situation from your perspective? As someone who's seen history, you know, repeat and play out, what do you think is going on right now in this uh, struggle between imperialistic forces and the Republic to, you know, to uh, yeah. strong arm the money? Okay. Well, there's there's been, as I've documented in, in the Clash of the Two Americas four-part book series, as well as the Untold History of Canada, they're looking at history from the standpoint of the fight to liberate humanity against oligarchical systems. And when I say oligarchical system, I mean, I mean something very specific, which are systems of hereditary power, which have dominated most of human history going back thousands of years. There has been an, a fight that has been a continuous process, sometimes more, sometimes less successful over many generations against this um, system of master-slave relations. And that system has manifested in the every, every single thing which is good, which has resulted in us going from a society living on average you know, of 25, 26 years of age, thousands of years ago, living in, in, cave, in caves without the use of fire to the point where we've had these um, incredible upshifts in ability to support more people at higher standards of living with greater longevity, lower infant mortality, greater access to our mind's powers, which couldn't really happen if you're living in a society of brute labor force where you're working 14 hours a day just for subsistence, right? Which was what the majority of people had to live under in the pre-industrial age. So all of those points of, of what we would call growth of progress were done with a fight. And that fight, especially after the Renaissance period, began expressing itself in the economic do domain in a very serious way. And what we have seen in the past three, 400 years especially, are two opposing ideas of economics. And one system presumes that money itself is a tool, like, like, like any tool, like a hammer, like a knife, that is created by humans that must obey the, the higher laws of human, human need and as such must service the interests of the liberation, the emancipation of the individual, but also the greater good of humanity by increasing the productive powers of society uh, in the service of, again, human dignity and human need. The other view says that that's not true, that no, money is a thing unto itself that we must worship, that we must abide by. Um, as far as ensuring that 
theories that assume that um, theories that assume that money just has value because people want it must be always respected as if it was sacred law. Whether and this means it, it doesn't matter if money is moving around, uh, causing based on the fact that people want drugs, mm -hmm. which are you know these types of of oligarchical economists or people brainwashed by oligarchical systems would say, well, that's a legitimate form of GDP, even though the effects of having drugs is to reduce the means of society to support itself. It is actually in reality a negative value, even though people are spending money, you know, people are, are using their drug profits in order to buy things, buy real estate, which might be having some connection to the real world, but it overall is destructive, just like any core vice. So th this idea that, that, um, the good creative growth is the consequence of every hedonistic individual satisfying their, their desires to buy low, sell dear, as Adam Smith proclaimed, who worked himself for the British empire, the British East India company, um, is at the heart of globalization and globalization has been a system which really took over the world over the dead bodies of John F. Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, Martin Luther King, and many others around the world in the sixties. And I'm saying this to get at the fact that the banking system collapsing right now, as, as you just opened up, is a very foreseeable uh, consequence of what we permitted to take over when we once we once had under under the days in Canada of C.D. Howe, Clarence Decatur Howe, John Diefenbaker, who were contemporaries of John F. Kennedy. We had a viable industrial economy that was producing capital. That had a moral virtue or a moral value system constraining the behavior of the money system such that individual enterprise, farming, businesses could blossom and flourish, while at the same time, you had the nation as a whole um, increasing its ability to stand on its own two feet and not be dependent upon corporations which could say that they had more power than nation states. That was the case from the 1940s, 50s, 60s. And then there, there was a coup that became known as globalization, the floating of the U.S. dollar over off of the fixed exchange rate. That that was done under people like Henry Kissinger, George Shultz, who had taken over with the Trilateral Commission of the United States. And they had a very, very different idea. They, these were self-proclaimed Malthusians, meaning they believed it from our past discussions. Your audience probably knows what this means. They, they believed in the idea that overpopulation was the greatest threat to the world that that governments had to um, service and respond to by by doing things that would reduce human impact on the environment. They all believe this. Kissinger, um, the all the trilateral commission crowd that was brought online with David Rockefeller is a big new Brzezinski, and they transformed the character of society from being an industrial productive society to being a consumer debt based society of deregulated marketplaces, where now all of a sudden it was legal for banks to merge uh, their branches of savings and insurance and trusts and insurance as we had with the Canadian four pillars, which were all taken down in 1986, the, the separation of our banking functions. And that created all of a sudden this new monolith of universal banking that could just gobble up everything. And you had mergers and acquisitions, right? Due to the deregulation that we saw in the 1980s, which destroyed, decimated mom and pop shops, small and medium enterprises were destroyed by design by the Walmarts, the Monsantos, the Cargills, the Archer, Archer Daniels, Daniel Midlands, which were able to then thrive. And these, when you look at the CEOs of these banks, 
of these corporations, uh, you'll find that the there was a revolving door where they were moving through back into government. People like Donald Rumsfeld, right, from running Monsanto back into the U.S. government, back into the private sector. They were also uh, coordinating it through organizations like the Bilderberger Group, like Davos, where Kissinger was always on the steering committee managing this type of controlled destruction of sovereign nation states and the destruction of the means of nation states to emit their own credit, their own currency through national banking, which we once had a right to do, and we still do in Canada, utilizing the Bank of Canada. That was stripped down under Pierre-Elliott Trudeau and continues to not be used as of as a tool of our development. Instead, it's just run by technocrats like Mark Carney and other ideologues who are themselves obsessed with depopulation and the whole green agenda. So the, I'm saying this just to get across that the system that we're living in now is the consequence of 50, 50 plus years of controlled insanity that's designed to create a bubble on a on a bubble on a bubble on debts that must default. When the debts default, and there's so many different types, there's government debt, there's personal debts, there's corporate debts, real estate, there's so many types of debts that have been bundled speculated upon, speculated upon as tr and treated like assets and then turned m multiplied in in mon in nominal value thousands of times over through derivatives of uh, trading on the spot markets futures markets so the the monetary values are are fictitious there it's 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 a time bomb that was designed to explode and so that is kind of demoralizing when one looks at it that way to realize that, that is what we're sitting on and what is currently unraveling. And the only reason why this system has not already blown out, which we could talk about a little bit later, I'm sure, is because there is um, a grouping of civilizational forces in the world outside of the NATO Five Eyes transatlantic cage, which is the most tightly controlled part of this fascist oligarchical structure. It's it's unfortunately here where we live. That's uh, yes part of the uh, you know and uh, disappointing reality of things. But outside of that cage, there are nations that don't want to go along with this depopulation agenda anymore. Perhaps at certain points in the eighties and nineties, they played along with it because they were so weak and couldn't do much about it anyway. But now we actually start seeing we're beginning to actually see a serious resistance movement happening, especially among the BRICS plus nations, um, the, what's called sometimes the multipolar nations, which are finally being able to flex a bit of muscle and are strong enough now to finally uh, say no for the first time in decades and decades and decades, which gives should give people a little bit of hope that there's some fight that we can work with here in Canada and the United States where patriots are trying to figure out how do you do battle with this yes. multifaceted octopus that seems to have contaminated everything around me for a long time, you know? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's so deep that, it, you know, you've been at this for I don't know how many years, but for, for those of us who are kind of newly awakened to the, 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 the depth of depravity and, and corruption, it can be it can be really disconcerting and then you, you you know a lot of people are saying you know what do we do with our money um if they're going to you know cause the problem as you were saying this is repeated many times and then have their solution as something that's more tyrannical like a central bank digital currency and this universal basic income they want to introduce tied to your social credit score um you know what is one to do in these countries where you are a part of the five i or you with the americas um, where they are using this cultural revolution to uh, destroy us from within. 
what is uh, what is a patriot gonna do, Matthew? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think you're you're setting the tone very nicely as a as a living demonstration of what real patriots do. And I mean, I, I've been following your work now, and you're you're you you have a, a sort of very strong willed, honest quality of not accepting an artificial perverse fate being imposed upon us because we do have free will and people forget the power of, of free will when animated by wisdom, the search, which is not like I have knowledge and thus I am wise. No, I mean, the true wisdom comes from the hunger for learning and using the knowledge in reality, not just theorizing in an ivory tower and the comfort of, of, you know, the armchair philosopher thing. No, you're actually saying, okay, well, the house is on fire. Let's figure out how this water thing works increasingly and put it to work to help other people also learn as I'm learning to use water to put out fire. And people are, too many people are like, I don't believe in fire. And you're like, well, it's getting close though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you very or, much. Yeah. Even worse, worse yet, you know, that you've got, you've got now people, people who have been conditioned to believe that the water itself is their enemy, right? That. And and it, it manifests, people are like, how could people think that water is their enemy if their house is on fire? Well, look at the example right now where people have been led to believe that nuclear power, like we're, we're, we're being told we have all of this scarcity. We're not producing enough for 8 billion people. That's why there must be all of the starvation and 15,000 children dying unnecessarily of starvation every single day. And yet we're being, you know, we're, we're told, well, this, this scarcity, this poverty, that's part of, it's just part of life. And it's like, yeah, but we could create abundance. We could desalinate ocean water. We could green Israel. We could green Palestine. We could green the Middle East. We can green Af Africa, the, the Sub-Saharan Desert. You could desalinate water. What about yeah. California? You could desalinate water from the from the Pacific. Yes. It might require some nuclear power to, yes. to, 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 to desalinate that water and, and make fresh water and bring it in in green deserts. But people are like, well, no, nuclear is bad. I'd rather have massive scarcity um, and and destruction of food food crops uh, because of of drought. I would rather that than do simple things that have been tried, tested, and proved for decades and decades. Why? Because the propaganda machine that has been run by Henry Kissinger, uh, Maurice Strong, the Canadian and you know yes. guy who ran Canada's nuclear industry for years in Ontario, yes. Maurice oh. Strong, basically put into motion this thing that we should just live in fear of things we you know don't see like radiation that we we're told, you know, Maurice Strong is the one who put on the, on helped pro promote this idea that all we can do with nuclear waste is bury it. Yes. It's like, why can't we just reprocess it? If it's still nuclear, why can't we just reprocess the spent fuel, the spent fuel? Well, we're not supposed to talk about that. Even though the technology exists, it's been around for 40 years. Mm -hmm. We're not supposed to talk about that. And instead we have to be afraid of radiation, even though Chernobyl, Five Mile Island, all of these things were actually sabotage operations. They were, they were not organically prob organic problems that just happened. No. So, you know, we, we are being, we are, we have been led to be afraid of the yes. invisible, the unknown. And that means, and water is kind of like a metaphor for being afraid of all of the things that would, or China or Russia, you know, people are like, oh yeah, Russia and China have, are out to destroy our freedoms. And it's like, well, they're the ones who are actually doing a hardcore successful battle right now against the oligarchy, against the burning of the Middle East. They've, you know, the reason why there's a peace process right now going on in the Middle East or a hope in Africa is because of these countries working together in opposition to the, the death cult fanatics that have wanted to burn the earth. And they're offering us all sorts of ways to work together. And we're saying, no, 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 you're evil. You're bad because I believe my CSIS propaganda 
or, or FBI prop, the <laughs> FBI and CSIS tell me that you're bad. And yeah. so you're bad as if, as if FBI and CSIS are these <laughs> patriotic organizations that didn't run the, the murder of John F. Kennedy and didn't like run into yeah. domestic terror cells in Canada uh. Uh, with, uh, you know, uh, the, the heritage front that is run by CSIS in the nineties. Yes. The, the only white supremacist organization openly caught funding and organizing a white supremacist terrorist group in Canada run by CSIS, the organization which conservatives, especially, but also liberals are all saying, oh yeah, they're revealing to us that the, the Chinese, CSIS revealed that the Chinese are are, are controlling Canada. Are you kidding me? Come on. It's, uh, it's like, I, if I was going to say, I mean, because it, it, it's almost funny if it wasn't so sad, right? I mean, the, yeah. the, it's like caricatures of themselves. I remember uh, I spoke at one of the school board meetings a few weeks ago, and what came to mind when I, before I spoke was the book that you had um, promoted, uh, Plato's book, The Republic, you know, uh, what is good for, you know, ethics and morality. You can tell what is good for society when it benefits society. Right. And, and and the discussion on just using brute power, you could explain it better. But as I was speaking, I was calling out these policies that are creating division um, and they're they're using fear and hate. And so what was the outcome? And I'm trying to tell them these specific examples with the gender ideologies, critical race theory and the way they're dividing and promoting only certain groups. Now, it's it's obvious what that that's for. It's it's all connected to our cultural revolution and to these this eugenics movement. But what they did is they literally did exactly what I said they were doing. They shut us down. They called us names. Um, they used power to shut down wonderful concerned parents. And yeah. so this is this this is the machine they use to shut people down. With the climate agenda, I'd like to dive into that more because there's this whole 15 minute city thing. Uh, and it's again, it's the same thing. Oh, isn't it going to be wonderful? We're going to introduce 15 minute cities. Infrastructure Canada is sponsoring that and giving money. Edmonton signed up. You don't have to use your car at all. In fact, you know, you could buy an electric car or maybe you could not even own a car. We've got New York City now that's tracking consumption and meat, that horrible meat. And worst of all is the dreaded carbon dioxide. My God, that's such a horrible thing. We've got to have zero carbon, just like zero COVID. You know, the life. Yeah, hold, your, hold your breath. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't breathe um, and do your part to ruin your own life so that uh, we can carry on. You know, and, and the facts are not relevant. You know, you know, a, a volcano spews more carbon dioxide in a single emission than all of humanity. I mean, people like Dr. Patrick Moore have talked about um, how more carbon dioxide is good for the world. It promotes greening, promotes plants and all of these green energy policies if in if actually implemented, you know, with all the slave labor they used to mine the elements and all of the increase in energy costs would would literally starve out and impoverish over a billion people. So we're looking at over a billion people, mostly in Africa, if they did implement this would die. 
Um, and, and, and absolutely unnecessarily. Again, we're going in the complete opposite direction. Energy costs should be made lower. Nuclear energy, I don't know about fusion, is a great upcoming potential if we were to invest in that. So literally, we couldn't be going in the worst direction. We're repeating the same thing. Zero COVID, now it's zero carbon and all of these initiatives. Can you speak to the historical aspects of how this all started with Agenda 2030? And yes, uh, yes, you know, I I'll be speaking tonight on this at a fairly big event. So uh, maybe I'll just listen to what you say. And there's so much information, but how would you, if you had five minutes or 10, explain this to people who don't understand this agenda and the connection to all the digital uh, enslavement okay. as well? I, I would start them off with a quote by Maury Strong. I think he's a good entry point for people just to see somebody who is a, a major cha change agent for the worse over the past 50 years, and especially for Canadians. He is unfortunately kind of like a Mark Carney type of, of character, um, a very bad Canadian um, who was absorbed into the machine as a high-level manager. So it's a good entry point. Um, and also, you know, he's somebody who bragged that he was on the organizing committee, the selection committee that fielded talent in the 1960s that selected Pierre Elliott Trudeau from the NDP party after they had all of these different, you know, potential candidates do a little song and dance to see who had the, the stuff that it takes to be installed as the next uh, puppet prime minister. He was on that committee along with Walter uh, Lockhart Gordon, um, a, a, you know, somebody who's a bit of a Canadian national hero. Um, no, these two guys were together working on behalf of their overlords who wanted to destroy nation states and reduce the world population, which is how they live their lives. They, they, and so anyway, Maury Strong is somebody as well, who was in charge of the Department of External Affairs in 66, 67. He created CEDA, the Canadian International Development Agency, which was part of the rec economic recolonization of Africa. You know, this Canada played a very, very bad, bad role in overthrowing. I mean, John Diefenbaker, while, pre while prime minister, played a, a very positive role in providing nuclear power development to India, to Pakistan, that was part of the Kandu reactor uh, technologies. And he had the the very similar idea as did C.D. Howe or, or John F. Kennedy or Charles de Gaulle, that industrial nations that were advanced that had technology that were able to eliminate scarcity and, and bring people to a better way had the moral responsibility to provide the means to poor countries that had suffered for centuries under imperialism to have full spectrum economies to stand on their own two feet accessing leapfrogging technology so that they could have the best and train the best of their people to become the the engineers that would manage and make make better improvements into the future that's common sense good business that's a good moral way of living um in a world if you actually care about having a world that has peace and actually ends starvation and poverty if you care about those things that's what you do now yes. maury strong brought online th things like <clears throat> appropriate technologies that a, that an african country would receive canadian uh, assistance under the condition that they only use that money now for investing in appropriate technologies. What's an appropriate technology? Windmills. Oh, around, right. Because it doesn't impact their tribal behavior, which is just a natural part of the ecosystem. Having three out of your, your 10 kids die 
uh, before the age of three is just part of your natural lifestyle, walking 12 kilometers every day to a dirty well and burning wood, dying of asphyxiation is part of your tribal living. That's part of the natural way. And it would be wrong for industrial society to give you technology that would disrupt your natural way of doing things as if these people want to walk 12 miles a day to get dirty water, right? Yeah. Um, so that's what Maury Strong brought online and transformed Canada from being a, a provider of the needs of humanity to becoming an instrument of empire. So he lived his life consistently. Now, the quote I would start with, sure. to give people a sense of this, um, and I'll send you a link to this after this meeting, where, is where he says in 1990, speaking of a meeting at Davos, which he, by the way, is the co-founder of Davos, the World Economic really? Forum. Yeah, he's wow. the mentor of Klaus Schwab along with Kissinger. Jeez. Klaus Schwab had two mentors, Kissinger, Maury Strong, both of them proven. So he says, describing a meeting at Davos, he says, what if a small group of world leaders were to conclude that the principal risk to the earth comes from the actions of the rich countries? And if the world is to survive, those rich countries would have to sign an agreement reducing their impact on the environment. Will they do it? The group's uh... conclusion is no, the rich countries won't do it. They won't change. So in order to save the planet, the group decides, isn't the only hope for the planet that the industrial industrialized civilizations collapse? Is it not our responsibility to bring that about? Uh... This is an interview he gave with Elaine Duar in uh, The Cloak of Green, as uh, this was uh, an actual biographical uh, set of interviews. Wow, that's good. Oh, no, no, this is actually an interview with, with West Magazine in 1990, an Alberta magazine, and people could actually read the whole interview online, and then they say, oh, but that was just a hypothetical scenario he was cooking up for a, a fiction book he wanted to write. That's what they'll say. Now, the reality is, number one, that fiction book is messed up, if that's the case, and it does take place at Davos, which he created and runs and ran wow. and managed. Yes. But then he says, at the Rio Summit, or no, uh, yeah, at the Rio Summit in 1992, he then says, at the same time as they're bringing on Agenda 21, a 300-page document signed by 170 countries calling for essentially what we see now with Agenda 2030, and the 15-minute city thing does directly grow out of that. The eating bugs ideology grows out of that. He literally says, direct quote here, and I would read these two quotes, okay, in the way that I've just said it. Industrialized countries have benefited from the unsustainable patterns of production and consumption which have produced our present dilemma. It is clear that current lifestyles and consumption patterns of the affluent middle class involving high meat intake, consumption of large amounts of frozen and convenience foods, use of fossil fuels, appliances, home and workplace air conditioning, and suburban housing are not sustainable. A shift is necessary towards lifestyles less geared to environmentally damaging consumption patterns. Wow. Wow. I have to interject here something because I am a, a little biased because I'm running for the by-election for PPC. But is it not true that Stephen Harper signed our country over uh, to this sustainability agenda? He signed, uh, signed us to, uh, to this uh, maybe in 1992. Do you have any knowledge on that? Because none of the Conservatives are allowed to speak about this sustainability agenda. Uh, you may have noticed they stay clear of it. So it's going to take getting PPC people in government, everybody, to stop this agenda. And might as well be me and Maxine to start and anyone yeah. else who's running for PBC. Okay, well, Harper did a lot of damage. And and one of the things I, I've been looking at, and this emerged out of the Julian Assange WikiLeaks, 
Harper wasn't really a player at the time that Maury Strong was speaking. So I don't think he necessarily was doing much of, of no, that. Back but, then, no. Um, there was a, there was the progressive conservative party that still had a Diefenbaker style uh, spirit behind it in the nineties. Um, Preston Manning was one of many what? representatives of that, who is a much more noble character, uh, yes. despite, I mean, ideological differences aside that I have with him. I, I, I could see that's a human being who's a normal a human being I can work with. Yes. Uh, that Wonderful had to be, man. Yeah. yeah. That had to yeah. be purged and destroyed. And Stephen Harper within these WikiLeaks documents that emerged in 2000 and I think 10, it demonstrated that the National Endowment for Democracy had in, had funded the um, a, a bit of a, um, a regime change that put their their money and uh, and resources behind Stephen Harper and the the cleansing the purging of the conserv the former progressive conservative party and the 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 different machinations that created today's variant of the of conservatism in Canada on, that was ushered in by Harper and Harper is currently a chairman of a major national endowment for democracy, a group that is an openly CIA operation in the United States that was created in 1983 to promote regime change internationally, but also within North America itself. So that's, uh, that's something to hold in mind. So wow. uh, as far as uh, Harper advancing that, um, uh, what is now agenda 2030, because they were a little bit off on their timelines, it was supposed to be 20 agenda 21 timelines are a little bit disrupted right now that I would not be surprised. Okay. Interesting. And then, you know, in terms of history repeating, can you describe, I'm, I'm interested in this as a reformer, right? As a PPC, we're sort of like coming in to, to create change in Canada. If we can achieve that, if we can get enough people behind this, but, you know, maybe discussing how the reform party got uh, that success of getting voted in to parliament and, and then, creating that change and kind of shifting the conservative party. Can you give us a quick, I'm not ready to write about that. I, I I'm still doing research. So okay, when, okay. I, when I write my, my, my report, I'll, uh, I'll be able to speak on it, but I, I don't want to come out with half baked, uh, half baked opinions yet. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that would be really interesting. Even mm -hmm. there's a growing number of people who are starting to see that everything's a uniparty. So particularly with this smart city agenda, um, so, I mean, what else would you say to people about the digital uh, enslavement? You know, some of the, the tracking, the privacy overreach with the cameras. Um, can you comment on that in terms of educating people and not sounding like a conspiracy theorist? I mean, there's the, there's the, the government overreach, the flawed data, the fraudulent data. You know, there's the, the health concerns with all of this uh, technology, 5G technology uh, in place. There's, um, you know, there's all these different things. There's, and mostly people will be further and further impoverished. In my own community, they've uh, arbitrarily raised property taxes by 12%. What's that for? That's what I'm going to ask when I speak to them. But uh, people are saying to me when I go door to door, I won't be able to afford that. I'm on a fixed pension. I don't yeah. know what I'm going to do. So can you speak to um, anything about the, the, the details of this agenda in terms of the impact on day-to-day -day person? Well, you know, I, I can, but, I, but as, far as, as far as saying saying it in a way which is empowering, I'm still looking for a way oh. to do that. Um, okay, I love no, that. They, yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> 
I'll, I'll send you what I, uh, I'm leaving people always with a call to action and, a, and hope, right? And yeah. get them heartened to step up and, and speak out. I mean, even presenting to council and writing letters is, like you say, is, is, is powerful enough Absolutely. Um, to, to educate. Most of the council members have no clue about any of this. So education is- part I see of- what you're saying. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And I, I think people do underestimate the power of their voice. Um, because I mean, what happens is that mostly the ignorant speak, you know, that, that's the problem with, with those with knowledge is that they tend to be also more quiet. Um, if, if you have real knowledge it means you've, you've gained it through humility it means you, you think more than you speak. Whereas people who are loud mouthed are also, uh, the most ignorant usually, which is demoralizing for those who are just kind of like watching this insanity, seeing all of these like voices of ignorance. Think, and, and and just getting demoralized to the point that they speak even less. And the, the fact is, when you can actually get somebody with a mind animating their words and courage to, to actually stand up in front of a, a grouping of people who might even be hostile to you, you know, like, Plato, you know, yes. like that, that's something that, that you got to risk because you know that the truth is more important than people's feelings. You might have to hurt some people's feelings, but you want to do it ideally with a, a, in a way that um exudes a bit of humor a bit of grace and 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 to do it in a way that involve that means having proper knowledge where you don't skip steps you really know the thing you've talked about before you go and speak but when you do know it you really speak it so yeah, yeah. going to to student uh, to, to to council meetings to union meetings every opportunity that you have you should find ways to intervene upon like look at jose vega this this amazing this incredible activist in the united states who's become like a one-man intervention force um, who's intervened on, on court, uh, Alexandria AOC and, and the leading figures running the, the mainstream news outlets of the U.S. with eloquent, truthful interventions which have gone viral and have really changed the political discourse in the United States and has created an environment where people are now uh, taking courage and doing something similar to what he's been able to do in his dozens and dozens of interventions over the past year. Um and, I, you know, we, we just need more of that type of attitude now to, at this point in crisis to say, look, the emperor has no clothes. I don't care what you're going to say to me. I don't know. I don't care if you're going to, like, spit in my face. The emperor has no clothes and we're following him and he's telling us to jump over the cliff. Like, yes. think, think this through, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I want to I wanna just build off that and then move on to the warmongering because mm. you have such good knowledge about what's happening geopolitically. Um, and that's, you know, when it comes to speaking out, this is why I wrote my book, The Thrive Protocol, and I've lived it. It's not always easy to step into doing the right thing, integrity, but this, this time more than ever, we are called uh, to differentiate between right and wrong and call it out. Um, and there is... Uh, real a strength in doing that i mean and and of course there's risk but it is well worth it and i have called people to courage in my book i mean courage is not just something you you know it's not like a you know oh well they're courageous they were soldiers no anyone can be courageous and tenacity is required so it's courage in action so i really think that people if they start taking these small baby steps, we'll be able to fix this. But there's so much coming at people that people are getting stressed out and overwhelmed. We, we've got all the COVID stuff still. People are sicker, they're demoralized, they're depressed. 
there's the inflation and the debt. Now we're talking about this whole sustainability agenda and, and telling people they should be eating bugs. There's the cultural revolution where schools are promoting these uh, gender ideologies to kids and confusing them. Gender dysphoria in Canada is through the roof. Uh, in one school, I listened to a bunch of teachers speak and they were um, all fired or had to leave. They said over 50% of the kids were, were um, identifying. This is grade eights as non-binary. I didn't even know what that meant for a long time. Um, and you can see there's a level of indoctrination there. Um, a lady from China who'd gone through the Cultural Revolution said it's exactly the same thing happening here. They're destroying our countries from within and perverting them. When you take people and you promote degenerate ideas and normalize them, then you, you, you destroy their conviction, their sense of right and wrong, and they will not speak out because they're so busy consuming, as you said, and indulging in all their pleasures that they can't step up into their moral uh, courage to speak out. So you could see that playing out now. And people on top of that are concerned about World War III, the fear mongering, the what's happening with Taiwan. So can you pull all these ideas together on from a, what's happening on the geopolitical uh, landscape? And what is the reality? Because as you know, and I know, and I don't have all the facts and hist history um, nearly as well as you do, but you know, China being depicted as the enemy and Russia being depicted as the enemy um, is, 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 is so terribly flawed. Um, and they're yeah. not perfect societies. And I think people need no. to understand there's a difference between the Chinese Communist Party, which is, is quite evil. I mean, as I could use a broad label um, and still a very big presence and the, the country itself, which is trying to do right by their citizens. Can you mm. explain that a little bit more for us as well? people are confused on that okay. front yeah it's it's really important for westerners to become more geopolitically savvy um very important indeed um and that also in, under, means understanding some of the the global historical dynamics shaping our current dilemmas um the point i often get across and you, you've alluded to it is that you know people will often um act in a, in a self-flattering way about how much better they are than China because China did their cultural revolution in the 1960s and 70, early 70s. It ended. And we're so much better because we always had liberty, democracy, and freedom. And it's like, wait a minute. We also had a cultural revolution in the 1960s sponsored by the CIA, MI6, and social engineers. Uh, China was doing their own self-mutilating uh, disruption as well, destroying their ancient traditions, their ancient heritage, temples and manuscripts from Buddhism and Confucian um, traditions were being destroyed by an indoctrinated youth who were being mobilized to, uh, to, to overthrow what's called the four olds. That's terrible. That was self-mutilating. But wait a minute. We had our own too. MKUltra, the CIA program, is what generated LSD-25 and the entire drug culture, psilocybines, the entire hallucinogenic drug culture of make your own reality. That all emerged as part of the don't trust anybody over 30, 1960s sex drugs, you know, sex your way to world peace um, at Woodstock. That's how you're going to resist the Vietnam War is not not carrying on the torch of Martin Luther King Jr. or John F. Kennedy. No, no, no. It's just simply live in the now pop a lot of acid, have, you know, a lot of sex to exude a lot of love energy and somehow the world is going to be a, bit, a better place. That was brought to you by the CIA. I'm sorry. Yeah. This might hurt I, some people's feelings, but I mean, 
and so the difference between China is that when Mao died, the gang of four were put in prison, which managed the entire cultural revolution. They were all put in prison and rotted and died in prison. And then the people of China were given, were told that it is okay to criticize the cultural revolution. It is okay to criticize Mao. They were given that space. They, really? Yeah, that was the first thing done by Deng Xiaoping. And it, now China has has got a, a, a what's called a, a, a Confucian Renaissance process where they're making reading the Analects, the Confucian literature, the Buddhist scriptures. They're making all of these ancient uh, heritage things that were targeted for destruction in the same way that Christianity was targeted in the West. Judeo-Christian values were targeted in the 1960s for being overthrown. You know, John Lennon, I'm bigger than Jesus. Um, they now are going through a renaissance where young people in China are are studying these things and it's being made cool in their media, their culture, their music. They're they're actually intervening to start their 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 government in China is stopping video game addiction for children who can't are not allowed to play three hours more than three hours a week in violent video games. Wow, um, so good. Uh, feminization so good. of men in media is not permitted. Uh, the glorification of of LGBTQ values is not permitted uh, in China because they're intervening. They're putting the force of the nation state into a position of protecting their people and their heritage from the death cultists that want to erase the mainframe and, and reconstruct human society from from scratch. Whereas here in the West, we never stopped the what what was launched by the CIA in the 1960s. It just continued and degenerated in an, in a continuous 50 year process where we're now chopping off our breasts and our genitalia oh, to so fight to save climate to save stop the climate from changing and putting masks muzzling cows and and butt plugging cows so that they don't uh oh. fart fart right and eating bugs thinking that we're going to save the world that's the direct consequence of us having never stopped or changed yeah. course in our cultural revolution so our thing is still going. It's still being managed by the same CIA operatives that controlled media, the 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 mockingbird media, which was taken over in the night during the Cold War by the CIA, and that includes Canadian media too. That never stopped when the Church Committee revealed this in the 1970s. That got worse. The Hollywood takeover and funding of Hollywood, sorry, the CIA takeover and funding of Hollywood and Hollywood movies and scripts that are predictive programming that was going on from the Planet of the Apes and Soylent Green and mm -hmm. all of the 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 insane brainwashing fiction given to us to shape our zeitgeist that didn't stop with it continued with the Matrix with Terminator with all of the, the movies that we are being fed it's all brought to us by military intelligence CIA MI6 operatives that want to shape our idea of what human human nature is what governments will be what the future is so that we adapt to it rather than resisting the and look at look for a netflix film that is that is about the future which mm -hmm. is not dystopian try to find a show yes. about the future on netflix or amazon prime or anything else which we're being fed yeah that is not dystopian all of it is why yes. because they want us to adapt to dystopian realities rather than fighting for justice yeah absolutely yeah. two other movies i wanted to include because i listened to your uh, last podcast this is it seven days in may and manchurian oh. candidate people should watch oh I, yeah i bought oh, them yeah. both right after that i'm gonna watch them up at my cottage uh, oh man yeah you're gonna people should will love especially seven days in may that's my favorite and judgment at nuremberg as well that's another great one from 1960. Oh. Okay. These Calling out are... the entire Wall Street industrialist apparatus in, in the West uh, that supported the rise of Nazism and were never punished. That movie does it. 
Um, very. And there the was big a lot. short. The big short is a good one to. That's more recent on. one, which is also quite good. Yeah. So all that to say, you know, like I would yeah. suggest for people who want to get a sense of China, and the geopolitical realities of what China is. Um, Look at uh, Brian Berlitek's New Atlas uh, page. Look, follow the Duran um, podcast. Follow their briefings. Look at the the Cradle. The, there, there's news outlets that I that I, I judge to be of merit that have taken a broad that look at reality with a broader spectrum of sensitivity than than most other outlets do, and that recognize the fact that look, China's population has gone from three percent living in middle class middle income in in 1999 today it's 54 percent they have pulled over a billion people out of poverty through something different that they're doing which we once used to do but they we lost we we stopped doing it they have revived this practice of making money serve long-term needs of society through mega projects which create abundance so yes. even though you have things that are that are I don't like that I that I find um go against personal liberty, I, I agree it's it's not an angel state that you at the very least have an idea that we that it's the mandate of government to do things that involve creating abundance, not scarcity, to pull people out of poverty, not that, which is why there is a hundred thousand US troops stationed around China's perimeter. And why they're working so hard to destroy China from within using NED, the same thing that overthrew Donald Trump, the same George Soros intelligence agency operations that that did a regime change in America in 2020, that did a regime change in Ukraine in 2014, that funded the, the separatists in Hong Kong with British and American flags in 2019, that did the same thing in Tibet where the CIA was the funder of the Tibetans and the militias in the 1950s and 60s and 70s. That was all brought to you by the CIA. And there's been books written about this that continue to try to stoke the fires of separatism inside of China to break China from within using CIA operations, as well as Taiwan, which is a part of China. Even Mm -hmm. the U.S. State Department and Canadian government have agreed for 40 years on their websites that Taiwan is a part of China. Despite that, there's an effort to try to provoke um, separatist movements that are pro-U.S. military industrial complex and turn the whole thing like they did to Ukraine into a sacrificial lamb as a part of a proxy war against China, just like Ukraine is part of a NATO proxy war against Russia. It's the same formula being applied, and it's being done because Russia and China are not cooperating with the New World Order script they were the way they were expected to a few decades ago, even 10 years ago. Question here, because a lot of people follow Steve Bannon, The War Room, and a lot of these bigger U.S. podcasters, and he really calls out the Chinese Communist Party as the guilty culprit in destroying America from within with all of these uh, drugs like fentanyl. Um, so can you comment on, is that, you know, is that a fact or is that um, an internal no, issue? No, the, 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 the fentanyl, the fentanyl, because, um, yeah, that's the story, is that China is getting their revenge on the opium wars that we did to them by now organizing the, yeah. drug, the drug pandemic in the West as revenge. Those those yeah. dirty yellow people are trying to No, the, 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 the majority of the, the actual fentanyl uh, manufacturing production facilities come from are located in Taiwan which of course, ignorant white people who listen to Steve Bannon are they tend to not know the difference between like a Taiwanese and how that's being, uh, how that's different from mainland Chinese people. Cause they're all like yellow people. You know, even the Taiwanese are being trained militarily in uh, the United States and have been trained in the United States uh, for many, many years. And, you know, Americans are like, yeah, look, the Chinese are taking over with their military. And it's like, 
These are the Taiwanese being used by the U.S. military industrial complex and trained here to prepare for the same thing that the Ukrainian Nazis were being trained in America to then go back to Kiev to then prepare to fight a war on behalf of U.S. military industrial planners. Right. It's the same thing. And you're not yeah. looking at an invasion of the Chinese, uh, the big bad Chinese. You're looking at the Taiwanese. And so the, the fentanyl facilities are under the, the protection of something which is highly in control, controlled by U.S. intelligence. Also, oh. Hong Kong is another zone where there has been fentanyl labs, uh, as well as Macau, both of whom are known as the CIA MI6 of the Pacific, which is how they were able to steer and organize the uh, the the protest movements in 2019-20. And even now, HSBC, a London-based bank, an opium war bank that was created in 1865 to process drug money and to, to destroy the Chinese people, after the Second Opium War, HS, London's HSBC Bank even today controls a third of the money supply printing of the Hong Kong money, along with Standard and Charter, right? And even though the Chinese government on mainland has labeled both HSBC and Standard and Charter alien uh, enemy operations, they, there's something that has prevented them from being able to stop their control of Hong Kong money supply. Why? That That's something people should think about. So- you have this thing, and as well, there, there has been fifth colonists in deep state operations embedded in China. That's a fact. To say that I like the Chinese people, but I don't like the, the, the CCP, that's a bit of a, a fallacy that's been given to us by the Western intelligence agencies because the reason why China has been able to do battle against this, its own deep state and do battle internationally against this depopulation agenda and bring peace to the Middle East, like they've brokered. They're the reason why there's been a brokerage of peace between Saudi Arabia and Iran and Saudi Arabia and Yemen and Turkey and Syria and Saudi Arabia and Syria. It's because the U.S. was forced to, you take the U.S. out of the equation and all of a sudden there's peace processes all over the place. Human beings are actually, and it's being yeah. brokered by China and Russia. It's, yes. it's, so it's because the, the Chinese currently have leadership that are doing battle against this thing. There's been 4.6 million Chinese um uh, Communist Party officials who have been punished in in the last 10-year crackdown against corruption. Steve Bannon would say that's just Xi Jinping uh, cleansing his enemies as the evil guy he actually is. If you look at those former justice ministers, two former heads of China's intelligence agency, these are some of the most virulent, wicked creatures of the, the Western-directed deep state run by the CIA, who have been embedded there for decades, who ran things like the Shanghai clique of billionaires, which is what has been at war with, with, with Xi Jinping and his trusted network. It's the Shanghai clique of Zhang Zemin um, that ran things like Jack Ma, World Economic Forum trustee Jack Ma emerged out of like a Chinese Bill Gates billionaire Satanist doing like things like that. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, Jack I Ma. you said that last time. Yes, he, yeah, and he's he's been... Uh, disabled, right? Disarmed in many yeah. ways. At least, you know, and they they said, you know, you can keep some billions of dollars and sit in your uh, your mansion, but you're not going to have any influence anymore. So they've actually shown that they can take down these types of World Economic Forum operatives in many ways that we have not been able to show that we can do. They kicked out George Soros right. already four decades ago. We we still have Soros running our show, running our government, and they yeah. and you know they're they're it's a big sleight of hand. It's a sleight of hand which is being given to us like it was in the nineteen during the Cold War. To become so that we didn't notice that all of the leading Nazis, Reinhard Galen, the, the head of Hitler's intelligence, was brought in to run West German intelligence. Eight of the, the first uh, NATO commanders of Central and Eastern Europe were 
SS officers between 1953 and 1983. All eight of these NATO NATO ran secret armies with Italian and Nazi German fascists that were never reconstructed, that were put to work with Alan Dulles, who killed John F. Kennedy, who worked with Italian French fascists, who, who tried to kill Charles de Gaulle 30 times, who had boots on the ground, the OAS, the Organisation de l'Armée Secrète, that had boots on the ground, working with the CIA in New Orleans, killing JFK, working and coordinating with their Canadian branch outlets around Louis Mortimer Bloomfield, who ran the, the, the assassination bureau, Permindex, which oversaw the murder, uh, utilizing Clay Shaw's one on-the-ground asset, which Jim Garrison proved in his On the Trail of the Assassins. This is part of what was also behind the, the destruction of 9-11. China and Russia, we were told, are the enemies. That's who, who we in the 1950s and 60s and 70s were told to be afraid of, just like it's being revived again today as a mat, as like a hypnotic spell, a charm yes. so that we don't look at. The actual Nazis and fascists, and that includes the, the London and Wall Street banks, the Rockefeller machine that brought Hitler into being, that wanted to use the, Hitler, and as well bushes. as the Japanese... Huh? The Bushes, the Bush the family. The Bush clan Nazi. got their fortune and prestige off yeah. of off of supporting the rise of fascism as a first attempt at a new world order back in the 1940s and 30s. So we're we're really being told to cut off a big chunk of our brain and ignore a big chunk of reality in order to focus with fear energy on nations that took the 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 reason why the not why did Nazism fail to succeed as a new world order agenda back in the in the 40s? It's because China sacrificed. They took on the biggest, they absorbed the biggest hit. Eight, 10 million of their people died by the Japanese fascists supported by Wall Street in London. 10 million Chinese got destroyed, annihilated. 25 million Russians. They took on 93% of the German Wehrmacht. We did a lot of heroic work in the Allied West, but not that much, not even a fraction of a fraction of what the Russians did. And we're, we were told afterwards that, no, Jap Japan and, and Germany, those are actually our allies. Mm -hmm. And Russia and China, who did the most work to stop the, the Hitler machine and the Japanese fascist war machine, those are the actual enemies that we have to learn to be afraid of. And we were given all sorts of CIA cooked up propaganda, including the RCMP. Of the course. RCMP played a very bad role in this in the 1950s and 60s and onward. And they still do. They still run things like the Heritage Front. You know, like you look at the CSIS, who created... Uh, the Heritage Front, the one of the only white supremacist uh, domestic terror organizations in Canada ever. Um, yes. CSIS ran the guy who founded it and ran it and paid for his bills throughout the 1990s. Um, who I tried to entrap these young idiot white people who were like radicalized into some like Islamic front group to, that tried to like carry out some terror operation in 2016 in Vancouver uh, on Canada Day. The whole it was thrown out of court by a superior court justice because a judge because it was revealed just like in the case of the Governor Whitmer um, kidnapping trial or trials. Everybody except those two useful idiots, everybody who planned out, recruited, radicalized them, created the bombs, directed them to make the bombs, deployed out the it, they were all RCMP. Oh, all this of is them, terrible. every single person. Yeah, so it's we, like they, they're like, we can't prosecute these two low, like idiots. We can't. You you were totally entrapping them. That's illegal. They did, you well, know, same thing for January 6th. It's the same thing. It's all FBI operations. And we're being told FBI are the great heroes that have revealed that Russia has taken over America or that CSIS is the great hero proving that China has taken over Canada. And it's like, wait a minute. What the hell? What? Yeah. I mean, you brought up some of the tools of war that just get 
being played out over and over again throughout history. And why can't people see them? There's the race card. Now, I mean, you wouldn't believe the things that are coming out of school boards. You know, climate change is all because of white supremacists. It's only white supremacists who are pedophile. It's all the white people. I mean, be ashamed if you're white. It's all white Christians' fault. I mean, they're allowed to say this, um, this, this hateful false dialogue and, and they can play these cards, but no one is allowed to call them out. Um, and so it's like, there's the race card, this cultural identity that where if you call out degenerate behavior, like I called out and a number of parents, the pornography they have in public schools. I mean, I think that's an assault on our children, psychologically damaging. And what they say is, you're not allowed to talk about that under our Canadian Human Rights Code, freedom of expression. So, I mean, they have these tools of war that they're using. There must be a way to stop them because it's the same tools throughout history. Have you seen success, just to finish up today, with past, um, I'm not going to say heroes, but uh, patriots who've been able to squash, um, you know, been able to overcome some of these things either legally or um, pushing against the grain. Uh, what have you seen that's worked in the past that we could consider again? Well, I, I gotta say, the, as far as um, the the most viable modern fight in in our current age that I've seen from the West um, is what was pulled off, despite the the degree of control of the deep state of the United within the United States. Uh, what Donald Trump was able to to do. In the short time he was active as the the president, and and still when I'm looking at the MAGA movement now, um, Ron DeSantis with his you know uh, Jeb Bush neocon operation backing him up is a complete fake. Yeah, uh, Trump I seems agree. to be the only viable um, player who's put forth a functional battle plan in the course of his four years, and then since he's demonstrated to me. Uh, despite the fact that he said stupid, stupid things on the COVID and, uh, you know, patting himself on the back on warp speed, despite those stupid things, he's demonstrated a consistency and a level of enemies that are afraid of him based on policies that I've seen him put forth and fight for, which are viable. And that in my with my understanding of history and how this battle has been has played out over the past few centuries the only thing which has ever worked are the types of, of approaches that Trump has taken on a foreign and domestic policy level. Absolutely. Um, and look at this is one thing PBC supports is getting out of the Paris Accord. It's uh, it's an absolute fraud and it, uh, is changing and stopping this gender ideology in the schools, uh, making it illegal for people to have minors uh, without consent, having these uh, horrific surgeries. I mean, these are common sense things and it just just takes uh, common sense and courage. Yeah. And, and and the fortitude, like you say, and the stamina to consistently speak out on the truth. But like you, I'm um, I'm a fan of Donald Trump. I'm not afraid to say it in Canada. It seems to be almost a dirty word. Yeah. When you look at he, the actual fruits of his work, and that's what we should always look at. Forget the noise around the propaganda, the media arm. The fruits of his work were exceptional. You know, building back industry in his country. Uh, absolute peace, um, you know, letting people run their own countries. The Hungarian president recently spoke out against uh, the Democrats trying to interfere with the way people live. And he said, I, you know, 
you know, Donald Trump understood it. He left us alone. He, you know, preferring to work with someone who's reasonable like a Donald Trump. I mean, Justin Trudeau is now the laughing stock of the world. He recently went out trying to indoctrinate, uh, what's her name, Milan, uh, Georgia Melania Italy, Italy, and Malone, she just, yeah. you know, like a buffoon calling her own LGBTQ. She's taken this great, strong stance to bring back families yeah. and not allowing this gender shit. And sadly, Canadians and American kids are suffering. No one wants to go in a bathroom anymore. Our uh, Josh Alexandra, um, you know, wonderful Christian kid going to Catholic school has been banned and he's being shoved around outside trying to hand out Bibles. Uh, he recently said that the only political leader calling all this stuff out and protecting kids and girls is Maxine Bernier. So that's powerful. But kids are starting to see what's going on. But I think, you know, it's a bit of a long road. As you say, we've been going at this for 50 plus years, this this uh, cultural revolution within the Americas. So it's going to take a while to fix it. Last thoughts for today. And we'd love to have you back regularly because, wow, you're really educating a lot of people. Um, it's not a quick fix, is it? No, uh, so no, yeah. no. I mean, we have to think multi-generationally right now. You know, people, we're, we're sort of conditioned by Hollywood movies to want satisfaction within an hour or two. And that's not the way reality ever works. You know, the people who have done the greatest good are those who were able to play the long game, the more subtle wave of history, which maybe doesn't give you that type of intense gratification in the moment, but it gives you that more durable satisfaction of knowing that I'm a, a, a conduit for the good, for truth, for God's will. I'm an instrument of, of, of God's will. And that by that means you could sleep at night. You know, you're good with your conscience. You're You're being able to feed off of a well of creative love that, Otherwise, you would not have access to if you were living in anxiety because you always want satisfaction. Doesn't mean you shouldn't hope for satisfaction. You know, we want to win the battle. We want to win the war. No doubt. But you shouldn't. Like if Martin Luther King thought that way, um, he would not be as effective. Neither would John F. Kennedy. Neither would, would Bobby Kennedy, who understood that they have to be prepared to, to act on that higher domain, even if it means their bodies might cease to exist at an earlier stage than it was going to. But the reality is we're all going to die anyway. So the question, like Martin Luther King said, you know, I'd like to live till an old man. Longevity has its place. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't have a cause that you're that you're willing to die for, you don't have a life worth living for. And that was a really hard thing for his audience to take in. But that was why he said it was because he knew that you're taking on a fight against a very centralized, powerful, multi multifaceted evil. And if you don't have people who are able to pick up the torch, if one leader, you know, gets gunned down, then you don't have a movement that is going to be viable for humanity. You need to have something which is able to self-feed so that if one person um, goes down, you're, you've got 10 others that can fulfill the role and take up the mission, pick up the torch. Um, so I, I think that we have to sort of tap into that attitude. And for me, that means I would suggest for people who want to... Uh, light that fire, listen to Martin Luther King's speeches, you know, read them if you can get the transcripts, but listen to them even better. Oh. Listen to the speeches by John F. Kennedy instead of watching, you know, the, the Netflix thing. Just do that and take notes and, and, and awaken some of that source that they were tapping into inside of yourself and then revisit the daily practical problems that you're challenged with in terms of what do I do or say at the school meeting? What do I say or do at the upcoming town hall event or whatever, you know? 
Um, oh, that's so great advice. I actually am going to do that because uh, as a, you know, as a former professional speaker, I've stepped into brand new career, this career <laughs> as a volunteer fighting tyranny, a, you know, a patriot, <laughs> um, not a highly paid job, but highly satisfying and fulfilling. And wow, what an adventure makes the life uh, so exciting. You never know from one day to the next. So um, I think inspiration is critical. So I am going to do that. I, I, uh, I like to harden people and inspire them into um, into unified action and also push back against the narrative in, in a playful way. Mm -hmm. um, I have so many stories, but I think those are great uh, pieces of advice. Thank you so much, Matthew. And people know where to find you, but uh, you know, tell us again. It's always good to know. And then let's have you on in a couple months uh, because I think a financial crash is imminent and I love your take on that. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I, thank you. And and again, Tish, you're you're a wonderful, wonderful role model for so many people. You inspire me as well. I, I love I love your attitude and your solution orientation, regardless of the challenge. It's really good. And we need more of that. So thank you. Um, for me, for people who might want to read my stuff uh, and get a little bit more, sink their teeth into some of this geopolitical current events, but also historical research, I would suggest the book series Clash of the Two Americas, volume one to four. A uh, pretty good place to start. We're sort of recasting much of the history that we've been taking for granted for the past 200, 300 years. Um, the untold history of Canada, especially for Canadians, but also for Americans, is a, a pretty good recasting of, of the real story of Canada, um, again, from 1774 all the way till the present. And uh, the Breaking Free of Anti-China PsyOps, that's that's a, a oh. special report I just authored with my wife, Cynthia, um, which we're going to have a part two, but it really just tackles the various uh, stories, the PSYOPs, the narratives that are being put into our, our zeitgeist, as, as I've alluded to, and just in, debunks them from uh, China's involvement with COVID. What is bioterrorism reality? What is the Pentagon? What about... Uh, the police oh. stations. What about like, so we just take the various oh. stories and we just dismantle them using just basic evidence and lines of basic oh. reasons and historical wow. precedents. So it's a useful thing for people to strengthen and beef up as they, they navigate through this minefield of misinformation. Oh, uh, that's all excellent. available on CanadianPatriot.org. Excellent. And just from uh, the audience to know is I'm uh, really excited to have your wife on my show, I think next month now, and maybe that's a topic we can tackle. In addition to Japan, I know she's an expert on that, this whole Japan-China conundrum, I really pull it apart. But uh, I'm really excited to uh, to talk to her. And thank you so much, Matthew. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon. You have a great week. And, All right, you too. Uh, bye now. Bye.